It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I wonder if that is what is happening in in honor of him. 24-second shot clock expires. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 648 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, January 27th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, A very sad day uh, across the NBA world, obviously, and all the different local shows, I'm sure, are going to be doing something similar to what we're doing today and talking about Kobe Bryant. So make sure you're listening to... All the Locked On shows, obviously Locked On Lakers will be a must-listen to today, um, and thoughts with all those guys out there. It's very uh, very strange and odd feeling, and uh, joining me to talk about the strange, odd feeling, and the events of yesterday, and I guess the Raptors game that happened as well, a 110-106 win for the Raptors over the Spurs, that seems kind of trivial at this point, uh, is our pal Vivek Jacob, who has been doing lots of talking today. How are, how are you doing, man? Okay, I'm almost all talked out, uh, <laughs> as I was telling you. I've been doing a bunch of hits for uh, CBC, and then did another podcast before this one, and you are my, my last but not least before I get some food in me and then just pass out. Yeah, go take a nap once we're done. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously everyone knows what's up. Kobe Bryant died yesterday, along with his daughter and seven others in a horrible helicopter crash just before the tip-off of the afternoon games on Sunday when all the news kind of came out. Uh, And just like a very weird, difficult day. And, I mean, we can talk about whether they even should have played the games or not. The Raptors obviously played the Spurs, and that was a super weird one between the very touching 24-second shot clock violations that both teams took at the start to just the sort of general malaise that was hanging over the game where it didn't really seem like anybody wanted to play all that much. Just a bizarre day. I, I, I don't really know. I haven't really been able to put proper words to it. It's a difficult thing to talk about. Obviously, Kobe's a very complex figure, and there are a lot of different layers to his legacy and the conversation about him now and his passing. But uh, I, the, my main takeaway from yesterday was just sort of the the intense hurt and empathy I felt for the players that, you know, had cameras shoved in their face all day long 
and that made me feel gross. And just seeing Damar and Kyle and Norman Powell, all guys who have their own connections to Kobe. I mean, Norman, Damar in particular, really close connections, like working with Kobe and stuff and entirely building their games around Kobe as well, being, you know, California guys. Uh, you know, Kyle, obviously, same hometown as, as Kobe in Philly. And, I mean, I was happy that those guys were all together yesterday to sort of be there for each other as it all happened. But, I don't know, what were you sort of thinking and going through as that game began yesterday? Because it felt like it maybe shouldn't have. Yeah, I was kind of in a daze too, man. Like, I, I was really shocked the NBA continued with the schedule. I thought it was really unfair on the players. Um, I get that maybe on some level they were thinking that this was the best way to honor the Mamba mentality and uh, and just sort of gut through it. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think in hindsight, I mean, I, I, I felt that way before the game. I think in hindsight, the league will also look at it and think I don't, I don't think they needed to put the players through that to to see all the emotions uh, before the game, after the game. You, you could tell that the game itself was also kind of played in a daze. Kyle Lowry speaking after the game, you could tell, you know, just how low he was. So I thought, I thought it was a little, I thought it was very unfair on them. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, a lot of the worst of like the content consumption, whatever machine we've got going was kind of on display yesterday between, and look, I think the broadcast did an excellent job of sort of, handling everything in a really tough spot i've been like Absolutely. i've produced like radio shows and stuff before where someone dies and it's just like everything is thrown out and you have to just kind of go with feeling really and I, I remember i was producing a show when former maple leafs coach pat quinn died and obviously you know not the same far-reaching impact as a kobe bryant but in toronto certainly that was the case and just sort of the difficulty for anyone going through something like that where you have connections to the person and it's just like the only news anyone is talking about. Uh, I thought the broadcast did a really good job of sort of working on their feet with uh, a tough situation, then probably not even knowing if they were working or not. Uh, and so they deserve some credit. And look, I, I don't really know where I come down on should they have played the games or not. Yes, it was. there were certainly some guys who very clearly were not feeling it. Uh, I think DeMar in particular really seemed just sort of you know, kind of coasting through it and a little bit agitated. You know, we got the technical foul, which, come on, don't be, like, have have a little bit of empathy <laughs> um, if you're the referee in that situation. Um, and, you know, understandably so. Like, DeMar is a person who, you know, wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I, I don't know if it was fair to make him go and play the game. But at the same time, I feel like there are other guys who maybe that's the best way to sort of cope with it, right, is just to keep playing. And I, I don't want to speak for how anyone is is grieving or how they go through things like this. Um, I guess I can understand it from both sides. The, you know, the, the, the urge to cancel the games, totally understand that and would have been totally justifiable and also completely understand why they went ahead, you know. Obviously, there's the logistical stuff, which probably matters less, but still is a consideration, obviously. You have all these teams that are in places to play games, and you can't just, I don't know, I mean, I mean, maybe it would have been fitting to just cancel everyone's next game and just have the season have 81 games. Um, maybe that would have been the most fitting tribute. I don't know. But uh, I think the decision to play, I, I can understand it, I suppose. Um, but we don't have to linger on that topic too much. 
I don't know. Let's just talk Kobe a little bit, man. I I have a really strange and hard time talking about this because, like, there's a whole side of Kobe that is unavoidable in this entire conversation, right? I, I mean, he, as much as he was probably the face of the aughts, right? Like, if you're thinking of, like, which guy is sort of the face of each decade in the NBA, like, you go back to the 80s and it's bird and magic and sort of a dual thing the 90s is obviously mj the aughts you know the, i mean the 10s is definitely lebron and then the aughts is like i don't know is it kobe by a mile <laughs> like i know tim duncan's there and i know kevin garnett's there and steve nash and all these guys and Shaq. but between the five titles between all of the off-court stuff that took place during that decade, it kind of feels like it was Kobe's decade. And you can't escape that when you're talking about him, like his lasting impact and the clear like anguish and sadness among the players who revered him and modeled their games after him and sort of looked at him as the reason why they picked up a basketball. I mean, we're past the point where most of the guys in the league were even sentient during MJ's prime. So it is like Kobe as the sort of linchpin for all these guys to get into basketball or at least a lot of them and i mean there's not a single person out there who's ever shot a basketball and not yelled kobe when they do it like that's just a thing that everyone's done and so that is undeniable his impact on the game but then there's also this other side of things right where it's like you know he did a lot of things that were not uh, things that good people do like he like, the whole rape case and the civil suit and having that settled out of court, but still settled nonetheless, and at least some sort of admission on Kobe's part, um, you know, referring to him thinking there was consent, but, you know, obviously that was not a shared view, and, you know, that and sort of the story after that, and then, you know, there was the the homophobic slur, he, he yelled at a referee that he then used as a sort of way to become an advocate for LG, LGBT communities like that, you know, you can't look overlook that and sort of the redemptive quality as well to some of the stuff Kobe did, but it's just a really complex thing to talk about. And I, I don't know. Do you have any mm -hmm. thoughts on sort of how you evaluate Kobe's legacy? Cause it is just like a really sort of difficult thing to have to do in real time. And it felt like we were going to have another 40 years to be able to sort of reconcile everything and sort of track his growth as a person and how he tried to sort of make amends for the things that he did and you know that's cut short and now we're left to sort of and it's not like either of us are in the position to judge whether or not he was successful in his sort of i don't want to say redemption because obviously there are still survivors and, and people who are triggered by all of this stuff understandably so i don't want to say redemption but there, you know there certainly was an obvious effort on his part to make changes and make amends and i don't know how are you sort of coping with that sort of strange dichotomy of the undeniable importance of kobe with the sort of dark underbelly that you have to consider yeah i think for me watching basketball uh as you know i came to canada in 2002 so i didn't have the opportunity to watch you know full length games before that mm -hmm. and uh, all i saw was Jordan highlights and of course uh, anyone who talked about MJ if you were in the 2000s was like hey you want to get a full 48 game view of what that was like watch Kobe and so you watched Kobe and he was so much like MJ I mean it's crazy 
uh, there's videos going viral of all the moves that MJ used to do with the footwork and everything is just he mimicked him in so many ways that you know it, he was like, like that decades Jordan mm-hmm. and I think uh, that's something that cannot be ignored I think when you move on to the rape case the homophobic slur um, obviously that is those are massive stains um, and you know when you when you look at the stuff he said in court as well uh, let's face it a perfectly innocent man doesn't doesn't say that mm-hmm. right yeah uh, and so uh, that is something that deserves to be uh, on his sort of resume uh, whatever part of his legacy however you want to word it um, and you have to evaluate those things but I think like you said uh, in terms of if something like that were to happen in the Me Too era he doesn't he probably doesn't get a chance mm-hmm. and but the reality is because it happened when it did uh, he did get that chance and Frankly, I do think he was on his way uh, and showed all the qualities of at least trying to make the most of that chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was obviously a great father uh, to his kids. Um, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know what his relationship with Vanessa is like. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to say too much about that. Uh, and so... I, I think the one thing that hits me hardest with all this is, you know, with athletes, they have that shelf life, and for uh, athletes that make it to the top, uh, they have they devote so much of their time mm-hmm. to their craft, and finally, when they say goodbye, they're finally saying hello to all the other things in life and mm-hmm. spending time with family and their wife and their kids. Uh, and so in Kobe's case for him to only get four years of that uh, before it all ends uh, I think that's the thing that hits me the hardest yeah that's it's fucking gutting man I mean he's got a newborn daughter who's six months old um, and you know just it's <sighs> like you can feel any sort of way about him but it's an undeniably sad thing that happened and it sucks and no one deserves that uh you know regardless of what how, how you want to evaluate it later yeah uh i think is completely up to you yeah but i think right now i, th- I think we can just recognize that uh a mother has lost her husband yeah. and her daughter uh, that there are uh three daughters who have lost their sister and their father mm-hmm. yeah and, and it goes even beyond that right like this is like, there are so many people in the world of basketball and the sports world who just seem to have connections to Kobe, right? And it's, you know, Jerry West who refers to him as a son. And you got Doc Rivers barely able to muster up the words. And that was unfair to put him in that situation anyway. And I think they should stop playing that clip because it's not fair to Doc Rivers. Um, you know, there, there's, and obviously all the players who have their own ties and whether they're personal in connection, like LeBron clearly is, or. 
you know, it's just sort of like a competitor teammate, you know, or a competitor sort of across the, the aisle type of thing where you still have the relationship and that respect. It's there are a lot of people who are justifiably wrecked by this and devastated. And, you know, even as like myself, again, like I was not a person who liked Kobe. You could call me a Kobe hater. I, I really didn't like a lot of the stuff around him. But there's also sort of a value in that sort of having that heel, right? You know, and not the heel in terms of like the nefarious off-court stuff, but even just like the on-court stuff, right? Where he was like pretty clearly like kind of maniacal on the floor and berated his own teammates and was, you know, probably had an inflated image of who he was. And all of that is part of the Kobe experience. And that's something that just isn't there anymore. And it was something that, we were going to have for a very long time, it seemed, where, you know, there would always be the, the debates and there, was, there would always be the Kobe stands and the Kobe haters. And, you know, you can argue with who was correct in terms of like evaluating his place in history as an all time great or whatever. But not having that, you know, it's it's a big loss, man. Like, it's just it's not going to ever be the same. Not having him just there on the sideline sort of as the specter sort of looking over a Lakers game. That That's something that we should have had for a lot longer. And it's much better to have that heel than to not have it at all. And it's, you know, it's a really somber day, man. There's a lot to be discussed and digested and, you know, you don't want to sort of wipe away any of the stuff that needs to be addressed in the interest of, talking about his importance to the game but his importance to the game is undeniable like again he's probably the face of the of an entire decade of the nba which is the most selective company and like you cannot tell the story of that decade at all without kobe he is essential he's the through line the myth that sort of surrounds his draft night and everything like that the books and pieces written about the 96 draft or whatever draft it was that he was that he came into the league i mean like that is legends stuff of its own too right like it's there's a whole mythology around kobe that you know whether you liked him or you didn't it's undeniable that, he, that it was just part of the fabric and it's really really shitty that it's no longer there and i'm sure like you know as like zion said yesterday in his post game like legends never die like the, the legend of kobe will live on obviously and we'll still talk about kobe and debate him and everything but it's going to feel a little more hollow with him not there to you know defend himself and you know scream at people and scream at his uh children who aren't playing basketball hard enough you know like that's all part of the kobe Again, whether you like him or don't like him, all that's part of the experience with him, and just it's it's a real bummer. It fucking sucks, man. <laughs> it's yeah. it's rough. Yeah, no, it really is. And you know, again, I think the biggest compliment you can give an athlete is uh, that they've taken the game forward. Mm-hmm. And obviously there will be people saying things about his range twos, but <laughs> when you talk about uh, that resolve, that grit, that determination, that desire to win, um, that competitive spirit, that ultra-competitive spirit, uh, I think that is something that players will try to honor going forward. And... 
Uh, yeah, I think that is the biggest thing. You look at Trey Young uh, being the future face of this league and wearing number eight. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's some level of connection uh, that he, he's built there. You you look at DeMar DeRozan uh, and the connection that DeRozan feels to him. And I mean, those are decades apart, right? Mm-hmm. And so, this is someone that clearly impacted the game on a level. Like, obviously, you said that uh, you can't talk about the decade without Kobe, but... Frankly, I think we're going to look back, and you can't you can't really talk about the NBA without Kobe. Totally. And uh, that dynasty with the Lakers, that is one of the all-time great teams. Uh, that duo with Shaq, I mean, the only thing that really rivals that is Jordan and Pippen. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe people go back to those Celtics teams back, way back when, but that was that was really cool basketball to watch, man. Those two had such an interesting dynamic. Um, I really feel for Shaq mm-hmm. uh, looking at Tim Duncan uh, yesterday before uh, you know as the game was beginning you know you gain so much respect for one, uh, one another as competitors and so for Shaq to be a brother uh, literally side by side and to win three championships together uh, yeah man his impact is going to carry on forever. Yeah, man. It's, uh... <sighs> it's, I really uh... don't know what else to say. What's that? I really don't know what else to say. Yeah, man. It's, you know, there's... It's an indelible mark. Is yeah, it's, it's... It's so weird. <laughs> it's just... It's very, very weird. And that game yesterday was especially strange. Uh, all the games yesterday had a weird sort of pall hanging over them. I would imagine tomorrow night's game in LA is going to be uh, particularly wrought with emotion. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I am curious to see how the conversation develops, and I'm curious to see sort of like you said, like there's like his impact is probably not done on the league. <laughs> like he still has influenced so many players and I'm sure there's still players coming up who modeled their game after Kobe and like the one really nice thing about Kobe was that he him it's like him and Allen Iverson seem to be sort of two of the guys from that era who don't hate old basketball or who don't hate the new new era basketball sorry who yeah. like you know they actually like embrace forward progress and embrace what's being done in today's NBA and as much as I'm sure Kobe through gritted teeth, made that tweet like about LeBron passing him on the all-time scoring list on Friday. Um, you know, I, I feel like he actually does sort of ex- like encourage, or he did encourage and respect, and you know, really dig the the new version of basketball. And you know, yeah, maybe his game wasn't t- necessarily tailored t- to it. Although remember, he was always the guy tied with Danielle Marshall for the most threes hit in the game. So it's not like he didn't shoot threes. Um, but, you know, even if his style of play wasn't really conducive to today's NBA, I, I mean, it's, it was nice to see him actually be happy for, you know, the, 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 the way the game is going, because that's kind of rare nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before we leave off, do you have any sort of Kobe Raptors memories? Obviously, the 81-point game is is one. Do you have any other ones that kind of kick around? Uh, I mean, it, there, there was the one where they shot over James Johnson, right? And mm-hmm. He had that crazy stretch of threes to, at the end of the game. Uh, to beat the Raptors, that one comes to mind. I think I think the one thing I'll remember in terms of again just the impact that he had. Man, every time he came into uh, the ACC, it was just Kobe jerseys everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It was the same as like during like the peak Warriors run, right? Where it was just you know the, it was half other half the fans of the other team, and yeah. I remember actually there was one Lakers game. Uh, so I usually used to go to games with my grandpa a lot. Uh, he got tickets for a game where the Lakers were in town. Um, but there was a family member from England who was in town who was a big Kobe fan. And so he ended up going to the game with my grandpa and I didn't get to go. And I was sour about it. Um, and I remember he threw down like some insane late game dunk that was uh, absurd. <laughs> and. Uh, I was like, oh, damn it, I wish I could have been there for that. That would have been cool. Um, even when I didn't, again, I, I was never a Kobe fan. I never enjoyed his work, and I still wish I could have seen him in per- person like that. And I think I, um, you know, I, I guess there was the the All-Star game. His last All-Star game was in Toronto, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And there was all that, you know, just, yeah, the the constant ties. Like, he, he was just, you know, he, Everybody liked Kobe, or had a feel. Have it, everyone had an opinion on Kobe. Is probably the best way to sum him up, right? Like some people don't warrant having opinions about, but everyone had an opinion about Kobe because if you didn't, you were a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and that might be the the way to sum it up. Uh, all right. Well, that feels like a good place to leave. It, unless you have any parting shots you'd like to throw out there. No, man, just obviously, um, I think I'd like to just uh, mention Gianna. Yep. And just, uh, she looked like she was going to be a superstar, man. Yep. Uh, so that sucks. Yeah, it's an insane bummer, man. It, all of it sucks. And thoughts to the... Bryant family, obviously, everyone who, you know, had ties to him professionally and otherwise. Thoughts to, you know, survivors and victims who are having a lot of things drummed up this week as well. You know, that that's another thing you have to consider here, too. That there's just, there's lots of layers. I'm sure we'll be dissecting those layers for a very, very long time. Because um, it was a complex dude with a complex life, and, you know, it was... Uh, it was a rough day, man, all around. Lots of yep. shitty internet, lots of, you know, garbage. Although I will recommend a few pieces. Go read Blake Murphy's piece. It's great. Got a lot of the reaction from the players uh, and got the emotions of, you know, Fred and Norm and a lot of, you know, people who clearly, as Fred put, you know, put Kobe on a pedestal for a reason. Um, so go read Blake's piece. Sam Amick's piece is really good for The Athletic. Uh, Charlie Pierce did a good thing for Esquire. I'm sure there's other ones I haven't read yet that I'm sure I'll get to. But... I really enjoyed uh, Howard Beck's piece. Yeah, yeah. On Kobe. Uh, I have to get to that one still. But 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't done a whole lot of reading. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can go do that now and get some lunch and a nap. Uh, <laughs> so we'll wrap this up. Uh, the Raptors won yesterday. Pascal Siakam was really good. That's fun. Uh, his defense was great in the fourth quarter. We'll talk about the actual basketball another time. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow, which maybe we'll actually talk about the basketball in that game because it was pretty fascinating. So stay tuned for that, I guess. Uh, and, yeah, that's going to do it. Vivek, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I'm good, man. Not today. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, wherever you get your podcasts. It's much appreciated. Uh, be nice to each other. Don't be assholes. And uh, that'll do it. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.